<clears throat> Good morning. It's wonderful to see everyone here this morning. We want to thank you for being here with us this morning. It's a, it's a wonderful time and a wonderful opportunity for us to come together as a family, for us to worship God in truth and the Spirit, for us to draw strength from each other, for us to draw strength from studying God's Word and, and, and being here together as a family, that we can draw strength from each other by being here this morning. If you are visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. You have blessed us by being here with us this morning. We invite you back at any time that you're able to be, be here with us to worship God. And we hope that as you find yourself comfortable and we hope that you find yourself blessed and edified by this morning, that this morning we have the opportunity to open God's Word. And any time we have the opportunity to open God's Word, we will be blessed and we will be benefited in our lives by the studying of God's Word this morning. This morning we are going to talk about Christ, our example. As we ha have been going through th this month and other months, we had this, this, this sermon series, and now we're on the, as Ian said, the fourth installment here about Christ, our example. And I want us to look at the scriptures this morning, look at Jesus' life and how he handled certain situations, how he handled certain things that came about uh, to him, some things that were directed to him, and how can we follow in his footsteps, and how can we have Jesus Christ be our example in our lives this morning, I'm going to have all the verses up here on the board for you. We'll be doing them out of the King James Version this morning. So we've been going through this series sermon, Christ is our everything. And we want to look at Jesus Christ as, as, as our all in all, as our whole. Starting off that, Nathan talked about Christ was, was God with us and how Jesus Christ was God with us on, on this earth, that, that he was here. He was as a man. He was tempted just like we were, but he was God with us. Also, that John, that, that next Sunday, talked about Christ, our Redeemer, and how much we need that Redeemer. We have to have that Redeemer. For whatever righteousness we have is as filthy rags, and we needed Jesus Christ to come to this earth and die so that we could be redeemed from our sinful selves, which we cannot save ourselves from our sin. And we needed Jesus Christ, who is our Redeemer. We also talked about, or Armani talked about last Sunday, Christ, our advocate, how Jesus Christ is the one, he's in there making intercession for us, that he is that one that's going to speak on our behalf, and how wonderful it is for those that are in Christ Jesus, that on the day of judgment that you're standing there, Jesus Christ will be there speaking on your behalf, saying, this person is mine, I, I'm the advocate for this person, and Jesus Christ is the advocate for us this morning, and, or, and this morning we're going to talk about Christ as our example. And how we live our lives right now, the things that we do, how we interact with people, how we interact with people in our schools, in our jobs, out in the community, and people in this very room. And Jesus Christ is the example of how we're going to do those things in this life. This morning we're going to talk about how Jesus dealt with suffering and persecution, how we deal with suffering and persecution. How did he act? How did he, how did he speak? How was his way when he was being suffered? And persecuted. We're also going to talk about how Jesus humbled himself and became obedient and submissive to the will of God. That, that, that's one of the keys that, that we'll see this morning, that if you're going to let Jesus Christ be the example of how you live your life, you need to understand that Jesus Christ lived his life by the will of God. He was here sent by the Father to do the Father's will. And he humbled himself to do those things. He was obedient to what God the Father wanted him to do. How Jesus uh, obeyed God faithfully no matter the circumstances. No matter what was going on in Jesus' life, he was going to obey God. That if it was uncomfortable, if it was painful, if it was agonizing, if it was the Father's will, that's the example that Jesus Christ is going to do. That's the example that he is going to be. And that's the example that we should live this morning. <clears throat> now, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21, the Bible says, For here, for even here and two were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, and, and neither was guile found in his mouth. 
who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Verse 24, who of his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, while I now return to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. That's, that's the commitment that Jesus Christ said. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. So he went to the cross willingly, bearing our sins on that cross so that we would have that hope, so that we would have that opportunity to live with him in heaven. That we as sheep are gone astray, and that if we're going to follow in Jesus' footsteps, Jesus is that, is that shepherd that we should follow. And when sheep hear the voice or the sound of the shepherd, they follow. And that's how we should be this morning. But I want us to go back in these previous verses here where it says, Jesus Christ, who is our example, that we should follow in his footsteps. It says here that who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. You know, it says there that he reviled, or when they reviled him, they, that, that's when they were persecuting him. They were throwing insults at him and all those type of things. And it says that he reviled not again. What does that mean? That means that he did not retaliate. That when these things happened to Jesus Christ, he did not retaliate. It also says here that when he suffered, and when Jesus suffered wrongfully, he didn't threaten. He didn't come back and threaten them. And that is the example that for us as humans can be very, very hard. Because when someone threatens me, what do I want to do? I want to threaten them back. If someone reviles against me, my human nature wants to, to give it back to them. But that is not the example that Jesus Christ left for us. And I want us to study that this morning. But it's very difficult for us to do these things. But the Bible bears out that we should strive to be the example that Jesus Christ left. But further back in that chapter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, back in verse 11, the Bible says, Peter, Peter writing here, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to, it, to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. It says here, the flesh, this fleshly self, is at war with the soul. It's at war with the spirit. It says here that the spirit is against the flesh, and that these things are contrary to one another. What that means is there's a conflict, and that conflict for me, and I'm sure for you, is a daily conflict. That all the time my soul and my flesh wants to do things that are contrary to the spirit of God. That are contrary to the soul. So when we want Christ to be our example, we need to understand that that is going to be difficult. But it can be done. You can fight that fight. You can fight that war. You can win that battle, that war against the flesh if you have Jesus Christ and you read about him and you let him be your example. That is difficult for us because we have this war, because we have this fight. The flesh is against the soul. The spirit is against the flesh. We have to fight against those things. The Bible tells here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. So here we're talking about the example. We're going to be the example. We're going to let Christ be our example. What does that mean? That we should be a living sacrifice. What is a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice is holy and it is acceptable unto God. So if you're going to be that living sacrifice that is holy, you've got to have Jesus Christ. You need to be in Jesus Christ because you're not going to be able to do it yourself. But what I want us to focus on that if we are going to have our bodies, if we're going to be the example of Jesus Christ, and it says here that that example is a living sacrifice, 
that is acceptable unto God. What it, that means that we are concerned with what is acceptable unto God, not what is acceptable in society, not what is acceptable to the world. That as we go about and we are living that life, that example, we're going to encounter things. We're going to encounter people that are contrary to what you're trying to do. Are you going to be concerned with those people? Or are you going to be concerned with God? Because if Jesus Christ is your example, he was always concerned with what is acceptable to my father, not what is acceptable to man, not what is acceptable to the world. You know, in John chapter 5 here, Jesus was teaching, he was speaking to the, to the Jews there. He was telling them how he had healed that impotent man on the Sabbath and that he had broke the Sabbath. And these Jews there, those publicans, they were, or, or, sorry, those uh, Pharisees, they were upset with what he had done. He had done something that they said was not lawful on, on the Sabbath. And he does all this teaching. And basically they were upset with Jesus Christ because of what he did on the Sabbath day. But they, they had the law as askewed. They were not understanding what, who Jesus Christ was. And as he's telling his disciples there, he's teaching them. He says, I, I'm coming in my father's name, he, he says. I'm here to do my father's will. And further on there, he, he says there in John chapter 5, verse 41, the Bible here says, I receive not honor from men. This is Jesus speaking. But I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I come in my father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? What is the example that Jesus Christ is setting here? He's saying, look, the things that I'm speaking, I'm teaching, I'm going to speak and I'm going to teach. And it doesn't really matter if people are offended with those things because I am seeking the honor from God, not the honor from men. He's saying that those that hear my word, those that give me honor are those that want to hear that word, that want to receive it. He says, how can you believe if you're only receiving honor from men? This morning, are you seeking the honor that cometh from God only? Or are you seeking the honor that comes from men? Are you worried about how people think of you? Are you worried about how they, they think you look or how they think you talk or the things that you do, the people that you hang out with? the movies you watch, the things that you go do. If you're living a life that Christ is your example, you're going to do those things that are acceptable to God. You're going to be seeking the honor of God only, not the honor of, of men. And that's the example that Jesus Christ left for us here. Also, in Matthew chapter 15 here, Jesus was, Jesus was speaking to the, to the Pharisees, and, and it says here in Matthew chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, here the, the disciples came. It said, verse 12, Then came his disciples and said unto, unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? And he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So Jesus Christ is teaching here. And his, his disciples said, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this, so he's saying, they're saying, Jesus, do you realize that they were upset with what you just said? The teaching that you are teaching is upsetting people. They are being offended by what you're saying. And what does Jesus say? What is, what is his answer to this question? He says, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They were offended by Jesus Christ. They were offended at him doing the will of the Father. And Jesus said, those that are not my fathers, they're going to be rooted up. Those that are my fathers, they're going to be grounded 
and firm in the truth. And he says, let them alone. They'd be blind leaders of the blind. Did Jesus not care about those people? No. What Jesus is saying that the teachings that I teach, the things that I say, if they offend people, he said, let them alone. But continue to teach those things. And that, that's the example for us today is that we are those that are supposed to go about spreading the word of God. We're going to be teaching the same things that Jesus is teaching. And guess what? People are going to be offended. They're going to be offended at you. They're going to be offended at your family. They're going to be offended at the words coming out of your mouth because you are being an example. And Jesus says, let, let them alone. You just continue to spread that seed all over every ground that you come in contact with because you are trying to do what is acceptable in the sight of God, not what is acceptable to man. You know, the Bible here says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul speaking here, uh, writing that, that letter, he says, For do I now persuade men or, or God? Do I, not, do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So Paul here is saying, I'm not here to please men. Guess what? Jesus was not here to please men. He was here to do the will of God. He was here to do the will of the Father, to preach, to lay down his life, and all those things. That any situation he was in, no matter what the circumstances was, his foremost thought was, I'm going to be a servant of God, and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto, unto you. Do you remember, we used, to, they, we used to have them when I was in school, and they had them all over the place. There were these little bracelets that everybody would wear, and it had WWJD. And it said, What would Jesus do? Do you guys remember that? And, you know, it's got kind of watered down. It was kind of a marketing deal. People wore them. I don't think they understood what, what that means. But there's nothing wrong with that phrase. What would Jesus do when you come in contact with these situations that people are offended? You should think, well, how would Jesus act? Am I pleasing men or am I pleasing God? Am I seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness? And you'll find that you'll be able to handle yourself in those situations. That every time you come across someone, you should have that thought. Am I seeking the kingdom of God? Am I doing something that is seeking the kingdom of God? Am I doing something that is acceptable unto God? Am I doing something that is pleasing to God or something that is pleasing men? Because those are two different things. You can't do both. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, when we study the life of Christ and how he is an example for us, these verses are excellent. It shows exactly who Christ is exactly what Christ done and how we can be that example that Christ has left for us. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, <coughs> even the death of the cross." The seed said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> to me, that's, that's just a, that's a big, big verse. It says, here's how your mindset should be. This is Christ's mindset. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. This is fantastic. You get to see how, how Jesus Christ thought. Here's his mind. You should be of the same mind. And it says, now recognize Jesus Christ was equal to God, equal to God. And he came down on this earth. As Nathan talked about, he was God with us, but he was flesh and blood. He felt everything. He understands how we feel. 
but he was equal with God, but he came to this earth and made the form of a servant. If you look that word servant up, that means like a bond servant or a slave. He became a bond servant. He became a slave to what? To the will of God. That's the example. And he was such a servant, such a slave, such a obedient and humble man that he humbled himself and was obedient even to the death of the cross. And amen for that because we needed Jesus Christ to come and die on that cross. It says here that he humbled himself. And I, and I underline uh, humbled himself because I want to focus on that verse or that bit just for, for, for just a moment. And then we'll come back to this set of uh, verses later on in our lesson. But what does it mean to humble yourself? Because I think sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes it's very hard for us to really understand what humbling yourself means. As Americans, it's extremely difficult for us to understand what it means to humble yourself. How did Jesus humble himself? I appreciate Ralph's reading this morning. We're going to go back to those verses there. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through, through 42, Jesus Christ gives us an example of how you should act, how you should be humble. And it says here, Ye have heard that it has been said, for an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man shall sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twine. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. So these are excellent set of verses of how we should live our life. But I want us to go back to what we talked about in First Peter, what we talked about in First Peter chapter 2, where it says that Jesus, when he's reviled, he reviled not. He did not retaliate. You know, I found myself sometimes at work, and I'm dealing with people, and they are speaking to me in a way that is not right to speak to someone. And I catch my right hand kind of wanting to do this. Just a little fist starts to kind of, and I put it back down. I'm speaking to them, but it just wants to do that. Why is that? Because there's a war going on inside of me. There's a battle. The fleshly person wants to retaliate. If someone slaps me, and that's an insult. Someone slaps me as an insult, what do you want to do? You want to slap them back. Is that what Jesus did? No. Someone takes my coat. Someone takes my Coke at work or my coffee cup. That's mine. Don't take my coffee cup. It doesn't matter. You know, when we think of clothes, what do we always say? We thank God for the clothes on our backs. They're not even our clothes. Why are we so possessive of our things? You know, Jesus was not possessive of his items, the few items that he had. He was not possessive of them. He would give them away freely to those that needed them. But I want us to recognize that sometimes we want to retaliate. We want to do the things that are contrary to these sets of verses here. An eye for an eye and a tooth for two sounds pretty good. But that's not what Jesus talked about. Jesus said you need to put that away and you need to humble yourself. Because the humble person is not going to retaliate. You know, the Bible says there, uh, uh, continuing in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says, Here, ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them which curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. So he's saying here, you need to act this example outside of this room i mean it's easy for us to be the example of christ right here i've seen brothers and sisters all over all over the place in front of my eyes 
It's very easy for me to be that example here, but be that example to everybody as you are out in the public, at school, at work, wherever you are. It says there, bless your enemies, love your enemies. That's difficult. But to be an example of Christ, it's not about what's easy. Lots of times, Christianity, there are difficulties that we have to do. There's, there's things that are uncomfortable. Do you think Jesus did things that were uncomfortable? Absolutely. Why? Because he had committed himself to God. He was going to do the will of the Father, whether it was uncomfortable or painful. It says here that if you just love those that love you, they're naturally going to love you back, just like my family. If you're trying to do good and love those that are talking to you like I was talking about, that's difficult, but that is the bar that is set. And he talks about that bar here in that last verse where it says, But be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What do you think about when you read that verse? Do you just put the Bible down? It's like, there's no way I can be perfect. I'll do my best, but I, I can't be perfect. There's no way. You know what we should do? Try very, very hard to be perfect. Try very, very hard to reach that bar that Jesus Christ has set. The Bible says that in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, the Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, that is passed into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Be ye therefore perfect. The example that we have in Christ is someone who was tempted in everything like we were, but without sin. I don't know about you, but I have sinned. We all have sinned and fallen short, right? But it says, be perfect. Jesus Christ is the example. It says that when you are tempted, you should not sin. It says, hold fast your profession. Stretch for that bar of perfection. That I want you to think about those verses, and, and, and you will not be perfect. But you should strive to be perfect. You should reach, stretch for that bar that Jesus Christ has set. You know, when I was in sports, in soccer, or any of those other sports that we won't name, basketball or football, I had a coach that sometimes would say, I want you to give 110%. You know what's impossible? 110%. There's no way. You have 100% of yourself. That's all you're going to give is 100%. There's nothing beyond 100%. But why would they tell me to give 110% so I would stretch for something I would not get, but I would give a performance that is the best of my ability? They want you to stretch for that bar. You know, in Christianity, it's the same. They're not, Jesus is not going to set a bar down here that's very easy for you to reach. It's like, oh, this is comfortable. I can continue to do what I want and have all the friends that I want and say whatever I want, and, and I'm still okay with Jesus. Be perfect. Hold fast your profession. Strive for perfection. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 through 19, is something that can get really in the way of these things. It says here, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spool with the proud. Was Jesus a prideful person? Was Jesus puffed up and say, how dare you slap me? How dare you speak to me that way? Did you just spit in my face? How dare you spit in my face? I'm Jesus, the Son of God. Could Jesus have stopped all that? Absolutely. You know, sometimes to be that humble, obedient servant, even though if you had the power to stop something, don't use that power. 
that sometimes I feel like I have the power to really knock somebody out and take care of whatever insult is upon me. But I don't do that. Jesus Christ had the power to stop all the things that happened to him, but he didn't. Why? Because he was a humble servant. He was not full of pride. That if you want to be an example, that you want Jesus Christ to be your example, do not be a proud or prideful person. Put that aside. Empty yourself like Jesus Christ did when he came to this earth. Empty yourself and have filled with nothing but what is acceptable unto God. Focus on what is acceptable unto God. And not what is acceptable for yourself sometimes or what's acceptable for man or society. In John chapter 13 and as I say, John chapter 13, you may already know the story that I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to read the, the entire story. But this is where there was, at, at, after supper, Jesus Christ is going to do something. And he's going to leave an example for his disciples there. An example for us as well. It says here that after supper, he, he riseth after supper. John chapter 13, verse 4. The Bible says, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. So he's, he's, he, he's, ta- he's taken off his outer garments, he's wrapped a towel around him, he's going to wash the disciples' feet. I'm not going to get into feet, but understand this, that this is, this is not a joyous task. This is not something that Jesus Christ is having fun with. He may be uncomfortable doing this, as we talked about. I would be very uncomfortable doing it. It says here that he washes his, his, the disciples' feet, he gets to Peter, and Peter, Peter at least recognizes Jesus. He said, you, don't wash my feet. You, you're the son of God. They said, if you don't, if, and Jesus said, if I don't do this, you've got no part of me. So Peter's like, well, wash all of me. And Peter didn't quite understand, but he understood at least who Jesus was. And as we go through that chapter there in, in, in verse uh, 12, the Bible here says, so after he had washed their feet, he had taken his garments and was set down, down again. He said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. Ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. You know, the, one of the examples that Christ left is the example of, of being a servant. We talked about the example that Jesus Christ had about preaching the word of God, whether it offends somebody or not. You preach that word of God. You be that servant. Here it's saying that he said, I've washed the disciples' feet. And it said that y'all call me Master and Lord. And guess what? That's right. I am your Master and I am your Lord. He's saying, I just washed your feet. You, ought to, you should wash one, one another's feet. Is it just about washing feet? No. It's about serving each other and being there for each other. That the man, or Jesus, who was equal with God, has come down, and he's basically God with us. He's God with us, and he's washing a foot that he's created, basically. He is humbling himself completely. He had to get on his knees. If you want an exercise to do at home when you go home and pray, get on your knees or prostrate yourself before God. When you're in that physical state, you will feel that humbleness. Jesus Christ was on his knees washing his disciples' feet. In verse 15 it says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done. Jesus Christ has given us that same example. That if you look around this room, are you willing to do what needs to be done for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Whatever that is, it could be uncomfortable. It could be dirty. 
but it, do, it doesn't matter. You be that servant, you be that example, and you humble yourself and be there for each other. Back here in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, as, as we read those verses, in verse 8 it also says that he found, being found as fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And I have that underlined now, obedient unto death. And I want us to talk about Jesus Christ, the obedient servant. Now, what does that mean? Because we talk about obedience a lot, but what does it mean for Jesus Christ to be obedient? How was he obedient? When was he obedient? Him leaving that example for us. You know, in Luke chapter 22, here the Bible says in verse 30, 39, Luke chapter 22, verse 39, here the Bible says that he came out and went as it wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. Verse 40, and when he was in a place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a, a stone's cast or a stone's throw and kneeled down and prayed. So Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows what he's about to do. But what is Jesus going to do? He's going to do the will of the Father no matter what. But right here, but here he goes to this place and he kneels down and he prays. He's kneeling and he's praying to God. And he's feeling He's feeling that weight of what's about to happen to him. You know, many times I have had some anxiety. I have had some, uh, some, some things that were very upsetting, very difficult for me to deal with. And one of the things that is different is I didn't really know the outcome of what the situation I was in. I didn't know. Jesus knows exactly what is about to happen to him. And here he is. He understands what's about to happen to his body. And it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be agonizing. But it is the will of of God. So he's kneeled down and he's praying. And it says here in verse 42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus knows he's about to be crucified. He's about to go to that cross, being nailed to the cross, to be crucified for our sins. And he says here, Father, if there's any way, remove this cup from me. But then he says, nevertheless, my, not my will, but thine be done. Your will, God. Do we think of that? Or when we are in, in situations, and, I, and I'm sure none of us have been, and none of us will be in a situation like this, going to be crucified. But have we been in painful, agonizing situations and said, God, remove this from me, and then omit that last part? Don't omit the last part. He says, your will be done, God. I will do what is acceptable to you because I am your servant. I am your son. I am here to do the will of the Father. If I have to put things aside or put things away, I will do what you need to do. And then he says he prayed more. In agony, he prayed more earnestly. But what did he pray? The same thing. Three times he said, Lord, if there's any way, I'm feeling it. If there's any way, remove this. But I am a servant. And I will serve God. You know, many times we talk about Jesus carrying his cross. Jesus there in the garden was feeling the weight of that cross already. But the Bible here says in Luke chapter 9, back in Luke chapter 9, verse 22, the Bible says, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Verse 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life will lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake 
the same shall save it. It says here, the, the Son of Man must suffer all these things. And Jesus Christ knew all the things that he was going to suffer, but he threatened not. He knew all those insults and all those things that were going to be done to him, and he did not revile again. And he's saying that is the example. Jesus Christ was the example his entire life. And he says for us, he says to them all, if any man will come after me, you want to be my disciple, you want to, be, you want to live the example that I give, let him deny himself. And that's part of that battle. That, that's with the flesh and the spirit. Deny yourself and be a godly man. Deny yourself or be a godly woman. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Do you take up your cross daily and follow Jesus Christ? And here's the thing, brothers and sisters. You should feel the weight of that cross on your back. There are times in life that it should be very uncomfortable. There are times in life that it should be not fun to be a Christian. That people in this earth are going to look at you and they're going to laugh at you. They're going to want to despitefully use you and persecute you. And you should feel the weight. Jesus Christ felt the weight of his cross his whole life. All those things that, that he did, he felt that weight. Do you feel the weight of your cross of Christianity this morning? Are you just going through the motions? Are you never in a situation that people are offended by you? Are you ever in a situation where the, it, is, it is uncomfortable, it is upsetting, like Jesus Christ was, is agonizing? Take up your cross daily and follow Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Luke chapter 23, verse 33 and 34, the Bible says that when they had come to the place, which is called Calvary, they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Jesus there is being crucified, is being hung on that cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How can Jesus say that? How can he say, forgive them, for they know not what they, they do? He's in pain and agony. It's because Jesus Christ had committed himself to God. He was committed to what God wanted him to do to the very end. And guess what? There's a reward. We talked about things that are uncomfortable, things that we do on this earth why are we the example? Why are we baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Why are we willing to go through those things and, and feel the weight of that cross while we're out walking around in the world? Is because we have that reward. Back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, the Bible says, For hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. Jesus Christ is the example. His life is the example that we should follow in his footsteps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. If you commit yourself to him that judges righteously, you will have that home in heaven. You will have that reward. Jesus Christ has paved that way. He's put footsteps for you to follow. But if you're going to let Jesus Christ be your example, then be the example. Be like Christ. It doesn't matter what circumstances are. It doesn't matter whether it's painful. It doesn't matter whether it's uncomfortable. You jump in there and you do it. It doesn't matter if you are preaching the word of God and people are offended by it. Or they don't understand why are you not accepting this thing that society says is okay. Because I'm worried about what is acceptable to God. Just like Jesus Christ was worried about what was acceptable to God. He was going to live his life accordingly. Because he was committed to him that judges righteously. This morning, are you committed to him that judges righteously this morning? 
Have you put on Jesus Christ in baptism? Have you come to Jesus Christ to, to be baptized, to rise and walk in newness of life, that you can start living that example, that you can start living that life that Jesus Christ has paid for you? It's well worth it. Well worth it. Whatever pain or suffering that we endure because we are Christ on this earth is nothing compared to the eternity that is with God that Jesus Christ has given us by going to that cross and being crucified in his name. Do you need the prayers of the church this morning? Are you going through some painful things? Are you going through, or maybe you see yourself that you haven't been living the example like you should, and you want to start anew. You want to start living that life. You want to be the best Christian you can possibly be. Jesus Christ wants you to be the best Christian you can possibly be. We want to help you with that if we can. If there be someone who wishes to be baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning, or if you need the prayers of the church, or if there's anything else that we can do for you, we'd ask that you please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing the song that's been selected.